This is Dr. What? Dr. Where? Stories of Rural Medicine. It's the podcast exploring what it's like to live, work and train in rural medicine across regional Victoria. This series, we're looking at ways you can take your professional practice to a new level, no matter where your career is at. Even if it's yet to begin, we'll be bringing you valuable insights from a whole range of voices in regional medicine. And Monash Rural Health's Drivers Conference is a perfect place to do that. Doctors for Regional Innovation, Vision, Excellence, Research and Scholarship gather together to present research projects and network with future colleagues. The inaugural Drivers Conference was held last year, and this episode's guests presented research to their colleagues. Dr. Claire Ronaldson researched dermatology presentations to a regional Victorian hospital. In a specialty with limited regional practitioners, she found it incredibly valuable to have both a platform for her research, as well as an opportunity to network with colleagues. My interest is in dermatology and I knew it was really important to initiate my own research project in the country and try to present it at a conference to get that experience both at presenting and also to share my results. I had just completed an audit project of 12 months of data from patients who had attended our regional hospital emergency department in Gippsland who had a primary dermatological condition. So I was reviewing medical records over time with a fantastic group of medical students and we were looking at what were the most common dermatology conditions that were coming in. Were they acute? Were they non-acute? Were they conditions that could be seen by the GP in our local area? Or could they be seen by a dermatologist? One of the issues that we have in our regional area, and which is similar across regional Victoria, is that we don't have dermatologists. There's 92% of dermatologists who are based in metropolitan areas. And so we're just looking at what the general population presents with in terms of dermatology to our emergency departments in Gippsland. Just in terms of what we found, the most common reason that adults presented to our emergency department was because of cellulitis and dermatology conditions related to infection. And the most common reason that paediatric presentations came to our emergency department was for a non-specific rash. Um, So it was interesting for us to know these. A lot of the patients were not acute patients, so they could have been seen by a general practitioner or a local dermatologist if there was one. Um, So that was really interesting information and I really wanted to share that at a conference level. In terms of the findings that you had looking at this from a regional perspective, do you know if there was much of a difference to what these results are in the regions compared to what they might be in a metropolitan city? Certainly. So there's two areas of difference um, that we looked at. And the first was just if the most common things in the country were the same as the most common things in the city. And what we found that with adults, yes, the cellulitis was also the most common dermatology presentation in the city. Um, But there was a difference in the paediatric presentations. So usually with the paediatric presentations, they also most commonly present with cellulitis in the city. However, with our study, it was actually the non-specific rash. So there was a difference there that was really interesting. Um, The second part of the question is, whether how they're treated is the same. 
with our study, we had a lot of presentations that were at a very low level of acuity and could certainly be treated as an outpatient with a general practitioner or a dermatologist. In the city, they would have the ability to refer directly to a dermatologist who could then provide an outpatient clinic, whereas in the country, um, we don't have the luxury of that local dermatology clinic. And so we would often send all of our patients to a general practitioner or they wouldn't get a referral at all. So that was an important point of discussion. And so taking this research to drivers, what was it like presenting this to other medical practitioners and that sort of thing? Yeah, so I received an email about the inaugural Drivers Conference last year and I was really excited because it actually was the perfect opportunity to present my research to peers around regional Victoria that my research was actually relevant to. So due to COVID, we gathered in small region-specific hubs and so I arrived to the Gippsland Hub to a wonderfully supportive group of medical students, fellow doctors and very experienced educators. So I felt really comfortable to present my talk within this audience of varied experience but also with a true shared passion for rural medicine and having those that sort of difference of attendances there really created um, an in-depth discussion um, and there was a lot of questions and everyone was very passionate about the results, which is uh, really reassuring to someone with new research. Was presenting research something that was on your radar at this point in your career? Yeah, I think that's a really important point to make. With specialties, there's often a requirement to produce some research and usually that's under the support of you know a tertiary research centre at larger hospitals so at smaller hospitals sometimes it's difficult to get this research off the ground and I think that's where the drivers conference has been so fantastic for junior doctors because immediately there's the opportunity to provide relevant new research within the context of peers who are right in your regional areas um, who really want to listen to what these results are. And so I think it's a fantastic opportunity for both medical students and early career doctors who might find larger conferences intimidating or might be having difficulty getting their smaller projects or case studies accepted um, for presentation or even posters at larger conferences. And so it's really nice to have that driver's conference there as an option to talk about your new research that might be might not be on a, such a large scale, but is still really, really important in regional areas. Following on from drivers, it's been a year. Have you seen any flow on effects from the research that you've done as well as presenting it at drivers? What I've seen actually as as a follow-on from drivers is increasing networking opportunities come from that organisation and continued support from those people who organise the conference from the Gippsland base. So I think the ability to network at these events can't be under underestimated because I've found that if you're passionate in an area of medicine where there's not a lot of rural opportunities, for example, dermatology, ENT or ophthalmology, it's the people at these events who share that rural passion and are heavily involved in healthcare in your region who will really move mountains to create that experience for you and are very open to challenging any norms. And so people at the Drivers' Conference have that common goal of encouraging you to return and practice rurally in any specialty because in addition to rural practitioners, rural patients are desperate to find specialist care that they don't have to travel two or three hours to receive. 
Dr. Nathan Dalton presented research conducted in his final year of study at Monash University. He examined long-term mortality following a met call at an Australian regional hospital. He says it's the first time someone has looked at these patients on such a large timescale. The project that I conducted uh, with the team was looking at the long-term outcomes of medical emergency team or MET calls at Bendigo Hospital. So uh, MET calls are essentially, it, it's a system hospitals have employed that patients that are undergoing clinical deterioration. So that's the process where a patient goes from being relatively well to being pretty unwell. And this occurs over a few hours, um, typically, and it's heralded by deterioration in patient vital signs. So they might get an increase in the heart rate or drop in their blood pressure. Um, and, and that's the, I guess, the, the, the forewarning, the foreshadowing that, hey, this person might be becoming pretty unwell and we might want to do something about it. And so the MET was introduced to be able to identify early and respond appropriately to these deteriorating patients. And it works by having all patients in the hospital, they get the Vital signs measured are usually four hours or so, every four hours. If the nursing staff or whoever's doing that monitoring notices, hey, look, this blood pressure is outside of a pre-specified safe range, then they will alert the MET to come and review the patient. Now, the MET consists of an ICU doctor and an ICU nurse, as well as a medical registrar um, and the home team that the patient is admitted under. So... Yeah, they, they come and review the patient and attend to whatever needs attending to, if anything, um, to be able to help facilitate patient recovery. The patient cohort we were looking at in our study was the MET patients, the patients who've had a MET call at Bendigo Health. Um, and we did a retrospective cohort study to identify uh, what the long-term survival outcomes of MET patients were, as well as the correlates with long-term mortality. So what we did, we took the patients who had a MET call at Bendigo Health from 2012 to 2020, and we linked them with the Victorian Death Registry to figure out if the patients were either dead or alive, and if they had died, what their date of death was. And from there, we were able to do some statistical analysis and be able to show, uh, I guess, what um, what patient factors were associated with an increased risk of mortality over the long term, as well as, I guess, uh, figure out what the survival probability would be over the long term for MET patients. Was there much of a, a body of research in this space from a regional perspective? Not in terms of regional. There's been a few studies that have looked at MET systems generally uh, in a regional setting. So there was one done in uh, regional Queensland and one done down in uh, southeast Victoria that come to mind and a few few other smaller community studies over in the States as well. Um, but nothing, no, no study um, has been conducted before that we know of that looked at the long-term survival outcomes of MET patients. There's been a number of studies that looked at, you know, the 30-day survival, but nothing beyond uh, one year. And we've looked out to five years and to see what the, the curve is of survival over that time. So both from a regional perspective and also from the long-term perspective, this is something that hasn't been done before. What did you find in terms of those long-term outcomes? I guess the major takeaways are that there's things that you would expect to be associated with an increased risk of mortality in the long term. So increasing age was associated with increased mortality. If the patient had a limitation of medical treatment or LOMT in place, um, so that might be that if they were designated as not being for CPR or not going to ICU, then these patients tended to fare worse. We found that male patients fared worse compared to female patients um, and that medical patients uh, fared worse than the surgical counterparts. Aside from those insights to do with sort of the altered MET criteria, mm. was there anything that 
perhaps surprised you or stood out to you over the course of the research you were doing? I, I guess just from a general perspective, this was the first study that I've really been properly involved with. And so there was a lot of learning in, in that regard with regard to how to conduct research properly and what it takes to be able to put together a good study and, and to do robust analyses. Um, so there, there was a lot of learning there and a lot of a lot of times where I thought, oh, you know, I might be done. And then, uh, then you realise you're not done and you've got to go back and do something. So surprises in that sense. Being the first piece of research that you'd put together, what was the support like from your supervisors from Bendigo Health, but also from Monash Rural Health as well? So I had a absolutely terrific supervisor team. Um, so I'm much indebted to all the members of the team. Um, Associate Professor Rebecca Kippen, who works at Monash Rural Health in Bendigo, and uh, Dr. Cameron Knott in the Bendigo Health ICU, Dr. Jason Fletcher from the Bendigo Health ICU, and uh, Dr. Zach Doherty, he did a similar project a few years prior and was supervising as well. And Dr. Michael Leach as well, who was absolutely wonderful with helping out with the statistical analyses. Um, so I had an absolutely wonderful supervisor team. They were very helpful with, you know, assisting me to get on my feet, understand what I needed to do, um, regular meetings to be able to check in and see how I was going and, and providing lots of uh, support and guidance. So I could not have asked for a better supervisor team. What made you pick Met Calls as a subject to research like this? A few things went into that. Prior to doing this project, I had done a little bit of research with the Bendigo Health ICU, and which that was a wonderful opportunity. Following that up, I thought, well, I might do a research year. And so it naturally, it made sense for me to continue on doing some research with Bendigo ICU. Now that this research is done, is there any scope to perhaps implement any findings or explore something a little bit more in detail? So we are looking at the uh, obstetric patient population who receive met calls. So quite different in terms of, I guess, you know, age demographics, the reason why they're in hospital compared to, I guess, a typical met patient who tended to be older. For looking at the obstetric met call patient population and understanding, um, I guess, what the reason for those met calls are. And if, again, if there's any, uh, I guess, reasons why obstetric patients get met calls compared to those who don't and what the potential reasons for those would be. You've got quite an early start in terms of research projects within your career. Is this something you're looking to continue throughout your career? Definitely. I think that it will be definitely a part of my career as I go through. I think that being able to conduct research is really meaningful. Uh, and I think that it's it's a really engaging thing to do and you know something to think about as well and just keep ticking along there in the background. So I think that absolutely. And being able to have this this early start, as you've said, has been really good just for me to get my head around what exactly it involves and where I might look to be going in the future. So, yeah, very exciting. I had a really good time doing the project, and a big part of that was just the the supervisor team that I had. Quite honestly, I think that that made all the difference. Um, there were definitely times where I wanted to pull my hair out over it, and just things weren't coming together. But um, just having a really good supportive team makes the difference and I think that you get that doing research uh, as a student if you're doing that in a setting such as Bendigo I know that you'd be well supported here so I think that it's definitely something for people to consider. Thanks for listening. Drivers 2022 is happening on the 22nd of October this year. Tickets are available now so head to monash.edu forward slash medicine forward slash drivers to come along. You'll find this link in our show notes too. This episode was part of a series of conversations with doctors in regional Victoria. There's plenty more episodes available, which focus on a wide range of medical specialties and topics. 
We're available anywhere you find good podcasts. The Northwest Victoria and Gippsland Regional Training Hubs have commissioned this podcast to help medical students and junior doctors learn more about training and practicing medicine in regional Australia. There are hubs all across the country, and to find out where your nearest hub is, visit the link in the episode show notes or just search regional training hubs. And finally, this podcast was brought to you by Monash Rural Health, edited by Emily Crawford, and presented by Patrick Laverick, that's me. And it was made possible by funding from the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program at the Commonwealth Department of Health.